بعرف بدارو وفرن الشباب شو Which is your Senegal? No, I didn't jump. Oof. 
Côte d'Ivoire. Ça
I don't have any signal here. Let's say this. Is that the right name? No, Samit Sulah, it's Badaro. Oh, okay, so my phone is in Badaro. Royce.
do you want coffee? Or tea? Sure, tea. I drink both. I mean, uh, if you're having coffee, I'll have coffee.
Sujeito. مش هلا هلا عشق لا لا So you're a mother of cats and uh, humans and Japanese and Well, at least they make some Japanese food. I look at it on Facebook and It's cute, Japanese food. It's cute. Never taste it. They taste my food. I invite them to, yeah, okay. to have my food. Yalla, tayo. They show the Japanese. Uh, they need permission from the Federation. 
Even when they want to come here, okay. Once we invited them for my niece's wedding, in advance for a month, they told the federation until the federation approved for them to attend this wedding. There was a wedding three months ago. They didn't allow them the federation. لا لا مش كتير حلو بالليلي صح باليوم انت نو بروبلم انا حلو لا انت دخن لا بس بس اذا بتدخن مش اه شكرا
الجمايزي بقى
اللعيبه بتظبطها خلاص ليه ما بدك؟ لا والله ما متحمل لك يا ما هن بيلعبوا على التليفونات العسكريه وكذا انت صدقت انه في زي
I'm with uh, Tamara Abdul Hadi here in Beirut, and um, Tamara's a photographer, artist, um, amazing human, and um, we're gonna talk a little bit about what you've been doing. Uh, hi, f first of all. Hi, Stefan. <laughs> um, so, uh, thank you. Um, you've worked on like a variety of uh, exhibitions over the years. I'd like to talk about some of the different ones. Um, very involved photography. I, I, f I feel like your work's like particularly valuable in a contemporary context where there is a lot of imagery and documentation, visual documentation through social media. But that sort of like, like involved and um, thorough process that you that you um, applied to your work and your different projects. Um, you mentioned that your recent one was on oh, it was called Mesopotamian Marshlands. Um, maybe could you share a bit about that project, but also a bit about your process? Because I'm sure it's very involved and rigorous. Um, first of all, thank you, Stefan, for that great question. Um, uh, so, the, the way that I work on my project, I think, uh, comes uh, down to uh, curiosity. When I'm curious about something or some place or, or um, you know, uh, uh, so, so when I'm curious about uh, somewhere, I want to find out more. And so the way that I do it is uh, I do it through, in a way, creating a project around it. So I've been wanting to go to the marshlands for a very long time. I think most Iraqis in the diaspora have been, uh, you know, in a way dreaming of um, being to this place. Um, I think a lot of libraries and homes of Iraqis, uh, especially in the diaspora, have two books. One of them is The, uh, the Marsh Arabs by Wilfred Kissiger. And another one is, uh, I think it's the Return to the Marshes by Gavin Young. And those two books are by uh, British explorers of the Mesopotamian marshlands. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of grew up looking at these books and always thinking, like, I really want to go there, I really want to go there. And then when I, when I got older and I became a photographer, in a way, I was like, okay, I really want to go there, but I, I'm really angry that the only two books about the Mesopotamian marshlands are by these two British explorers. Um, in, uh, I think, in the 50s one, the first one was in the 50s, second one was in the 70s. Um, so, in a way, I wanted to go as an Iraqi, as a photographer, to go and do my own uh, documentation. And the marshlands themselves have seen a lot of changes over the past 30 years. They went through, um, you know, other than natural uh, droughts that happened, there was all, also, um, uh, during Saddam's regime, they were dried up. Um, he put up dams and, uh, and uh, closed them off. They dried up, people left. Uh, in 2003, uh, with the U.S. invasion of Iraq, uh, dams were toppled and people came back. So, uh, going there was extremely, extremely enlightening, it was interesting, it was beautiful. Uh, people have been living this way basically on these, um, there, there is, uh, it's basically a wetland in southern Iraq. And people uh, live uh, on the land, by the land, and uh, they raise water buffalo, they fish, they collect reeds, uh, their homes are made uh, out of reeds the same way that they were made uh, 3,000 years ago during the Sumerian time so it is really like an ancient way of living wow. um, so that process of like 
there's an aspect of reclaiming identity involved in the individual level, but also in terms of the narrative of how the story of the marshlands is told to the world. Um, how was approaching that process, and then also experiencing it on the ground from the diaspora, engaging? Um, I mean, it was, uh, first of all, very nerve-wracking uh, to go to do something that you've been wanting to do for a very long time. At the same time, uh, at the same time, it was um, sort of, uh, it was like a dream, really, for me. It was like a dream, and, and um, uh, the research of it being also, not there, but, you know, in Beirut, uh, um, I actually went to the Marshlands with my partner, Roy, and uh, we together, uh, you know, researched uh, about the marshlands for a couple of months before going. Um, but uh, nothing compared to when we got there. You know, when we got there, it was—you uh, can't imagine what it's like until you're there. And um, another another thing to mention is um, when we went and after the experience, I think when we came back, when we were finished with the experience, came back and sort of leafed through the old books that I just talked about and saw that um, actually visually it's very, very similar. Not much has changed except probably other than the fact that they're about, I think, 80% less of what they were size-wise. But what's left is exactly the same, and people are living the same way. And also reading um, both British explorers' words about their experiences were very similar to our experience. So it was basically like going in, being, um, uh, being welcomed into people's homes, uh, people seeing us from far away on, on our boat going through the marshlands, like waving us in, come, come see us. It was sort of a very similar experience that I feel like um, hadn't changed because these people were very uh, these people are very uh, simple people that uh, that live in a you know in their own sort of environment you can only get to the marshlands if you uh, are on a on a little boat for about 15 minutes from the closest city which is or the closest town which is called Chabayish um, so it was just very interesting to sort of see the similarities um, between our experience and the experience of the books that I wanted to like redo in a way. Um, but at the same time, uh, I mean, regardless, at the same time, I'm very much an advocate of locals um, uh, telling their own stories. So that will always be my, um, or not necessarily locals, but people that actually know and experience and and uh, and. Uh, are, live their truth in the place where they are you know that's a big part of my work and, and uh, why I will continue to do work I guess once you arrived when you talked with people in the communities when they knew that you're of the diaspora of, of Iraq there was a relationship there yeah for sure I mean uh, the, first of all there's no language barrier second of all uh, Second of all, they immediately ask you, like, you know, who's your mom? What's your mom's family name? What's your dad's family name? And we realized that my mom's, uh, my mom's family, um, from her mom's side, is connected to a lot of the families that live in the in that uh, in that region. So uh, that was also kind of a connection that they felt, I guess. Um, and but at the same time, like Roy being Lebanese. Also, I think felt very comfortable there. They just made us feel really, really comfortable. They took care of us. They, uh, they, they, 
They let us, uh, and, and even one night we slept, uh, we slept with a family in their, uh, more in their, um, in their reed house. Um, surrounded by the like the the patriarch and four of his sons, and we all we all sort of slept in the same huge um, reed house, which is actually so in every in in everyone's home. Okay, so every family has two houses okay. made of reeds. Yeah. one is called the Malif, which translates roughly into the guest house, and then the other one's their home. The guest house, the Malif, is always almost double the size of their house. And that just shows you how um, giving and welcoming these people are. You know, their guest houses are bigger than their own houses. And they always, um, you know, they like, they fed us. They, they, um, it was just wonderful. You know, we, we slept that night in a way with uh, the, the, the door of the, of the reed house being guarded by a buffalo. Who, who was scratching his back on it all night but it was just a very very special very very special experience that I wish many people would experience um, and to be honest we've been thinking about after we came back since then we've been thinking let's put together some sort of small tour group and take people you know because it's not how people imagine it is and this is a part of Iraqi history um, and heritage that's really important especially given how Iraq is represented in the world today. Definitely. So this was a photography project, and um, I, I, I think you've put together an exhibition. Uh, you're, okay, you're, wor- you're working towards it. I would like to ask you a bit about your exhibition process, and your because you've worked on a, a, a bunch of different projects. One was a series of portraits of Arab men, um, and that I'm sure was a very involved and long process. Um, maybe could you mention a few of your projects and also just how, um, how like all that work that takes place to like conceptualize uh, something like the subject is so huge. Yeah, of course. Outside or is it too loud outside? Um, just for a cigarette. So basically, um, I can talk about two of the projects that are very dear to me. One of them is um, Picture an Arab Man. It was a project that I worked on for four or five years. And the idea for the project came from really photographing one specific um, young Palestinian Malaysian man in Dubai. And after I photographed him, I went home, looked through the photos, and I realized that I said, wow. This man is so beautiful and human and there's softness to him and you know and I thought about all these things I was like why don't we have photos like these to represent Arab men and so I started this project 
and it took me four years and I photographed men from all around the Arab world and um, the idea from for this project from the beginning was to create a book and because the, the, the photos alone work or like a few of them but really all together tell the whole story and so I uh, I worked on um, I worked on I'm working on a book now um, that I hope I can publish I will probably self-publish but um, that that was really the ultimate goal of the project. Wow. Um, another uh, another project another project that I worked on recently uh, in the past two years and I'm still working on is uh, called Salon al Shaab the People's Salon, and it's basically about um, barbershop culture in the Arab world, uh, mostly in I would say more Shabi. Um, you know, popular uh, sort of uh, neighborhoods. And the idea for that is, is uh, twofold. One, to uh, celebrate this, you know, the talent of these young barbers all around the region. And the second one is to um, just sort of uh, show how men take care of themselves. Because we don't really see a lot of men self-care, you know, skin care, that sort of thing. And they do a lot here in the Arab world. And uh, so the idea for that was, yeah, so I did that in Ramallah and I did that in uh, Beirut. And uh, I sort of photographed men with, with uh, you know, getting their, uh, getting face masks done and getting haircuts and, you know, getting designed haircuts and all kinds of things. It was, for me, a very fun project. Again, it comes out of curiosity because I wanted to... Get, I, I was curious because I saw these men on the street, you know, with really amazing haircuts and all these cells, and I was like, I want to go closer and see, like, you know, the process behind that. So I'm still working on it. Um, there's one project, uh, there's one exhibition that I did for this, which was really amazing. Um, and it was basically, uh, it was in, uh, it was part of a festival in Florence. And it was a it was a solo show, and, and I showed the people salon, and what we did, and and with Roy, my partner, he sort of um, what he did was he uh, I would say like exhibition designed it, so he was the exhibition designer, and we created this really amazing. Um, so the exhibition was not only the photos, but we also brought in a barber chair, and uh, then found a barber. Uh, in Florence, right next to the gallery, that was Moroccan and that had been there in Florence for 10 years and convinced him to come and do haircuts during the show. And so he came in, he did like, uh, first he brought someone with him and he did this like style for him, he did a, a haircut for him. And then after that he just did free cuts for everyone that was in the, in the gallery. It was really, really beautiful. And I think it was uh, just the idea of, uh, you know, that sort of interactive and live aspect to... Uh, because he was also doing something that, for example, in, in, uh, in Italy that they weren't used to, which was um, threading, uh, threading cheeks. And for example, even this, even this uh, girl went up and he did her eyebrows and like he did her mustache area and like and it was amazing because people were so open and I think they're not you there's a lot of things that people aren't used to that they see that's um, it's you know uh, educational in a way like eye-opening in a way like your projects like photography projects almost feel like novels or books or films I mean it's through photos but like 
there's such a process and a theory and like a, a practice that is extensive and comes from your own like cultural and personal journey um, I, I just was wondering if you could comment about like that process in the context of like photography today and like and sort of the importance of like this thorough process of your work I mean look I, I think that um I think most of the mo most really important and interesting projects and work that people do uh, come from a place of good intention and uh, I think that uh, for me for me intention is one of the most important things about my work and uh, message obviously um, I, with my work I usually have a message and I say something even if it's not clear from the beginning from when I start this the project like in the in the research you know a portion of it when I'm still getting to know whatever it is that I think is is interesting um, I think the representation for me is extremely important of, especially of this region um, it's misrepresented a lot not only through Western media but even through um, through work, through art, through photography, yeah. there's a lot of misrepresentation, and uh, that's why I, I that's why I believe that intention is important. Like, why you're why are you doing this? Why are you doing this for what reason? And what are you trying to say? Uh, I think a lot of times, not everyone asks themselves that question. Um, but you know, everyone everyone does work for different purposes, obviously. Um, but I don't know why I do the things that I do. I just find them interesting, and uh, and then it ends up being something that I live. You know, like I spend time and I get to know. And uh, if it's seen, that's amazing. I'm happy with that because I like I would like people to see. I don't worry too much about I don't worry too much about being exhibited now or like getting accolades or anything. What I what I uh, what I fantasize about is that you know in the future people look at this body of work and would you know learn something yeah and that's the only thing that matters to me Tamara Al-Duhadi uh, we're here in Beirut thanks for talking yeah I appreciate it thank thanks. you Stefan and uh, it's uh, a very loud uh, <laughs> sidewalk uh, conversation but it's a good one yeah right on
Celtic, Syrian. Beirut, Medina? Ma, eh, when, 
انت لازم تعرف بيروت المزرعه مزرعه اي منطقه المزرعه شرف الله يخليك شكرا لك
في انا نقرا بالتاريخ من زمان من سوريا يعني ايه من زمان 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 يعني زمان يعني آه في كاتب الحمدانيون الحمدانيون ايه الدوله الحمدانيه كانوا في منطقه هون حلو انا يجي من سوريا انا بيتي هون بيروت مزرعه والله في شغيل لا في آه دليفري اه انا بطلب آه ايه تليفون لا شيء من فرن يعني اكل ايه. بطلب بيجي هذا الصبي اول مره يجي أنا بالجرس بالانترفون مكتوب اسمي أنا هو هذا ولد حمدان والله يا حبيبي قول أنا أنا عمي عمي افتح لي افتح لي مبسوط هو الولد مبسوط كثير إنه يشوف حدا حمدان هون هذا يجي من سوريا هربان من حرب من حرب يجي هون يشتغل كان له اثنين يوم يشتغل بهذا فرعين وهذا بيقول له في هذا بيت هون اسمه هذا روح لعنده وانبسط لما قال له هذا بيت ياسين حمدان هذا الولد مبسوط انه في رحله عند واحد عمه واو. يعني انا طلع لعندي لفوق قلت له قال يا عمو انا انا اسمي محمد حمدان هو 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 انا ما بعرف قلت له والله من وين؟ قال لي عمو انا من 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 قريه بحما بحلب اي اي حلب جنب حلب هونيك سميت اسمها وبابا مات ماما مات انا في انا واخوي جايب من الحرب أنا بيجي لهون أنت عمي هو اللي يقول أنت عمي أنت عمي أنا ما بعرف حدا ما بعرف حدا سميته إي والله حطيت له مصاري بجيبته قلت له عمو شو بدك؟ إيه شو أنت بتعوز هون أنا هذا بيتي أنا مثل أبوك شو بدك تعال عندي والله يعطيك العافية حرام حبيبي الله يخليك حياك الله الله يخليك يا رب طول عمرك كثير ولاد سوري بلشوا انا والله هذا الولد كيت شو؟ كيت؟ ايه بكيت انا شفت هذا المنظر الصبي قلت حرام هيك كثير كثير شو عمره 11 سنه؟ شو؟ 11 سنه تفضل يا مدام ان شاء الله مرحبا يا مدام لا بسيطة بس المهم طلع مشان ما يسبونا اللي ورانا. احنا اخذنا اكل من عند الخوري. انا ابني مخزوف يا تيتا. الله يرجعك يا سلام. اعطاني اربع كوسيات وبتنجنتين. في جلتين وليمون بردان. يا ستي الله الله يجعل سهل علينا وعليك يا رب.